It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Pride. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. 3-201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. Obviously, we're reacting to the Giants' first preseason game against the New York Jets. It happened on Saturday night at MetLife Stadium. Giants fall to the Jets 12-7. But Lance, as we all know, especially in a game like this, which the Giants and Joe Judge basically treated like your traditional final preseason game in a four-preseason game preseason, the score isn't really what matters. Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think team production and the score is of utmost importance. I think, as you were hinting at, it's really about individual development. And based on who played in the game and the snap counts, you had very limited starters on both sides of the field. You had a few guys on the defensive side of the ball that you could argue are going to be within the rotation on offense. We saw potentially four of the starting five offensive linemen And then we saw Darius Slayton for a very limited time. So their goal was, as you mentioned, in normal circumstances pre-COVID when we had four preseason games and you would play a lot of the guys on the back end of the roster in that game who were maybe jockeying for position on the 53-man roster, they wanted to give them as much work as possible as they slowly ramp up and work their way to the start of the regular season. So it's kind of weird because I think the preseason, John, is going to go in the opposite direction of what we're used to seeing in the past. Normally, the starters play early, and then as you move forward, you get the guys on the back end of the roster. Here, we're going to see the guys on the back end of the roster first, and as we make our way closer to the regular season, I think the starters will get a little bit more work so that there's not that rust factor entering the beginning of week one. Yeah, in our pregame interview with Joe Judge on Saturday night, I asked him, you know, kind of how did you look at this preseason in totality to plan your player deployment? He said basically he worked backwards. So he said that, you know, two weeks prior, you want to make sure that your starters and your, your primary players are ready to go. And they did that, or at least they're going to do that. But that means you don't have that fourth preseason game And he said basically to me, look, the last thing you want to do is cut somebody and then they show up on another team and they end up helping that other team win some games. That's the last thing you want to do. So this was the let's play the guys that are kind of on the roster bubble and the guys that are maybe we're thinking about, you know, dropping this week because they have to cut five players this week and and, and get the roster down a little bit and just give them a chance to show us what they can do. And if they can show that they have a role, on this team in some way, shape, or form. You know, maybe they'll survive this roster cut. They'll get another chance in the next game. And, you know, Lance, he kind of said that he has specific things that he has in mind for certain players to see if they can help in that way. And I think it was a way for him in this first game to put those guys in that situation to see how they can positively impact the team in a game situation if it's worth it to have them on the roster this year. Well, I think the perfect example of what you're talking about is Carter Coughlin. Coughlin's making the transition from the outside to the inside, so it's valuable to have a guy like that get as many snaps as possible on the interior so that he gets comfortable going up against an unfamiliar opponent outside of practice. So that guy would be the poster child of what you just described Joe Judge was saying. And then some of these other players, such as the offensive linemen, that you're looking to not necessarily start, 
But the offensive linemen that you're looking to take up spots number six, seven, and eight potentially, maybe they keep nine. Well, can he handle guard and center? Can he handle tackle and guard? We don't want to play the guessing game. We want to know that he can do that because if you're going to keep three additional offensive linemen, they better be interchangeable. So that's where the value of giving guys on the bubble is beneficial, which it didn't have last year. You can only go by practice, and they're going to have joint practices too, but I think you want to get a taste of what they could do in a game environment and how they can adjust to perhaps different teammates around them because maybe in a game they're going to be called upon to fill in for a guy for a series in the middle of the third quarter because somebody gets hurt. Well, how did they handle that? So I think that, to me, was a big part of the goal entering this game. I think it was also apparent on special teams. Matt Cole, seeing what he could do in terms of coverage. He made a great play saving the ball from going into the end zone. C.J. Board got a lot of return work as a kickoff returner and a punt returner. You want to see whether or not you could throw those guys into those roles in regular season action and also justify having them maybe be the fifth or the sixth wide receiver. So that's what, to me, once again, the outlook was entering preseason game number one. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot about that more moving forward in terms of the next two preseason games as well. Agree 100%. I think I was going to bring on Matt Cole if you didn't. He was on there as a gunner on pretty much every punt coverage team, except for the first one from what I was watching this morning on the tape. Um, and he was also on the vice team against the gunners on the punt return team. So they want to see what he can bring as a special teamer. I agree. Carter Coughlin inside, another good one. So, yeah, look, this was an evaluation opportunity for the coaching staff. That was the bottom line for this game. So let's talk about what we saw, Lance. And I guess we should start here because you talked about Carter Coughlin. I thought on defense he was one of the standouts. You mentioned that he moved inside. He was active. I think he flashed his athleticism. It was good to see. And the other two guys out there out there on defense before we get to the offensive side of the ball, and then you can give your defensive guys too. I thought Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton did a pretty good job in the middle of the defense. Throw Reggie Ragland in there too at inside linebacker who was in there for Blake Martinez. And I just thought while the Jets did have some success running outside the tackles and, and running you know, away from the big guys in the middle, when they tried to move the ball right up the gut, I thought Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton and, and Reggie Ragland to an extent did a nice job inside. Yeah, I'm with you. I pretty much echo your sentiments with all those defensive players. Remember, there was a fourth and one in the first half, and it was Danny Shelton and B.J. Hill that were in there to stop. I believe it was Ty Johnson, the Jets running back, and that forced the Jets to turn over the ball on downs. And we brought this up in our pregame and our postgame. Dalvin Tomlinson is one of those underrated players where you don't talk about him because you don't notice him, and that's a good thing. Just like you don't want to talk about offensive linemen if you don't notice them, that means they're doing their job. And who fills in for Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, is a significant storyline entering this season. That's why they made the offseason signing of adding Danny Shelton, because of his size, his presence, and the fact that he's going to eat up space and could do a lot of the dirty work. And I think you saw a little bit of that. Austin Johnson's another guy that they're going to have to rely on, and maybe B.J. Hill playing more of a prominent role with respect to that spot. So Shelton, to me, was definitely a standout. And I think another guy where... If you watched him, he didn't necessarily have a lot of flash plays. But once again, in the right place at the right time is Reggie Ragland. And yeah. part of the appeal, John, of Reggie Ragland is he's a big linebacker. And he even talked about this when he spoke to the media on the conference call yesterday that he can handle the Derrick Henrys of the world because the running backs are getting bigger in this league, especially the guys they use on the goal line. You need a linebacker that's willing to come down the middle, help the defensive lineman, and be able to stop a guy from getting in. Raglan, to me, fits that bill as a nice complimentary piece to Blake Martinez. And I'll throw one other player out there in terms of getting a ton of snaps. On defense, 
Lance, Rodarius Williams in this game. Oh, yeah. Played a lot of snaps. He was on the field for 65 defensive snaps. That was three-quarters of the Giants' defensive snaps. A few players played more than him over the course of this game for the Giants. I'm taking a look on the defensive side of the ball. Only, let's see, one, two. The fact only Maji Harper played more snaps than Rodarius Williams in this game. 61, 79% of the snaps. And he also played in the slot more. It's something else we haven't seen him practice a ton. He had 23 Snaps in the slot, 34 outside, five in the box. So those five in the box can also kind of qualify as, as being inside. So, you know, for me, that's someone that got a lot of good experience. They give up some catches now, which, you know, I'm sure they'll look at the tape. They'll try to correct all that stuff. But with, you know, Dory Jackson, James Bradbury not playing in this game, he got a lot of opportunities playing outside as, as a young player, and I'm sure he learned a lot, even though he did give up some catches over the course of the matchup. And that's part of the value of having a preseason game because if Rodarius Williams was a rookie last year, he wouldn't have had this experience. They wouldn't have been able to test him out on the interior, in the slot, to see what he could do before the start of the regular season. And I thought it was up and down, as you hit on. There were some plays where he was extremely active. For example, he was the one that grabbed the fumble as TJ Brunson and Quincy Wilson were able to make the hit. He scooped up the ball. Unfortunately, the turf monster got a hold of him. He wasn't able to finish the play. But I think the quarterback got a piece of his really? arm walking I, all through. All right, we'll I, give I, maybe the quarterback slight credit. Oh, slight. But, oh, trust me, yeah. it was slight. I guarantee yes. you Rodarius is, is, is being given all sorts of stuff from his teammates. Oh, I can only imagine. About that, absolutely. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think it was borderline, but hey, the effort was noted. As I mentioned, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. <laughs> he was in the right place at the right time, and he did what you would want out of a defensive back. But then there were other times where it looked like the Jets were going after him, especially when he was lined up in the slot and you know threw a ball or two over his head. So it's all about positioning and comfort that I think he's going to have to get used to moving forward. But Radarius Williams is one of those players that I'm sure the Giants are going to look at as being a jack of all trades type a guy because yeah. you know this goes back to John what we were talking about when you're looking at who's going to be the sixth corner or the fifth wide receiver more often than not they're going to play a lot of special teams if they get regular season opportunities hell they're going to have to play special teams if they even want a jersey okay on game day so forget what they actually do in the game which means right now you could tell for the lack of a better phrase, he's sort of the Giants guinea pig on defense where <laughs> it's like, hey, Radarius, let's see what you could do, okay? Let's see what you could do on specials. Let's see what you could do in maybe spots that you weren't asked to do at Oklahoma State. If you flourish, great. If you don't, we have film to work on. And I think that's what they were utilizing Radarius Williams in, that type of a role. Yeah, and he only played three special team snaps on field goal and extra point block. So I'm sure the coaches said, look, Radarius, here's the thing. We're going to let you focus on defense in this game. Um, so we'll get to special teams another time, focus on defense here. And then when you get to games two and three, I'm sure he'll get more work on special teams. One of the special teams thing I want to mention Lance, before we get to the offense, I thought it was interesting. Cam Brown had, yeah. ha, had a number of gunner opportunities in this game. You don't necessarily think of linebackers being gunners, but he's such a good athlete. I thought he did a pretty nice job out there. I just thought that was something to keep an eye on. And also Colin Gillespie, the fullback. And we've kind of had discussions about, you know, how many halfbacks do you, do you keep? Do you keep Penny? Do you keep Gillespie, who's more of a traditional blocking fullback than Penny is? He was also the per personal punt protector on some of those special team snaps. So I think those are, you know, opportunities given to those guys to show, all right, well, how can you contribute in these roles? We know Cam Brown last year on kickoff was, you know, was a big part of those coverage units. But if he can be a, a gunner on punts as well, then that would certainly be something to keep an eye on. Well, keep in mind, 
he also didn't play one defensive snap. That's why I'm glad you brought up Cam Brown because you were talking about Radarius Williams earlier, John, and you said, hey, they probably went to him and said, we're going to throw you into every possible situation on defense. We're not going to give you a lot of special teams opportunities. Maybe we'll do that in game two or game three. Well, they probably had the same conversation with Cam Brown. They said, Cam, this is a special teams game for you. We want to look at other guys on defense. We want you to focus on maybe taking on a role a little bit more so than we put you in last season. So, you know, we're going to see probably guys flip-flop roles, I'm assuming, over the course of the preseason. But, you know, this also reminds me something that Thomas McGahee has always been asked about during his tenure with the Giants. If there's any coach, John, that has to stay on their toes because you never know when a guy's going to be taken away from you right in the middle of a season because there was an injury on offense or defense, it's Thomas McGahee. So I'm sure he's loving the fact that they're testing out all of these players because there's going to be a situation this season where somebody who he has in a gunner role or even a return guy has to take on a more prominent role on offense or defense because of an injury, and now he's going to be asked to now take a different guy and move him into those spots. You're going to love the fact that, hey, we gave you X amount of snaps in the preseason to make sure you're comfortable. So guys like C.J. Board, guys like Radarius Williams, Cam Brown, all of them fall under that umbrella that maybe they don't get thrown in there in week one, but maybe week six or week seven, you're going to need to call on them, and that's why the preseason has so much value. All right, let's go to the offensive side of the ball, Lance. We have a full bank of calls. So I want to make sure I get to these guys. Obviously, you saw the first-team offensive line out there. I thought, well, I just I watched the tape of the offense this morning. Will Hernandez was fine. Nick Gates was fine. I thought Andrew Thomas did a nice job. Matt Parrott had a bad rep. He got beat around the edge uh, by Bryce Huff, I think, if I remember correctly. Lance, that's who got the sack on that play. I believe so, play. yeah. Uh, he, he kind of dipped him a little bit, got around the outside. Obviously, you don't want to see that. Uh, Kenny Wiggins gave up a pressure, too, and he had a couple other missed blocks later on in the game. Uh, moving around a little bit, he had to come back into the game because the Giants continue to have some injury issues. Yeah, Kyle you know, Murphy got hurt. Exactly, inside. So that stuff will keep an eye on Lance. You know, you don't want to see pressure given up by your number one offensive line, a lot of those guys. But really, you know, Wiggins, remember, he's basically supposed to be a backup once Shane Lemieux gets back. Matt Parrott had one bad rep, and the rest of the starters did just fine on the offensive line. Yeah, and remember, they're also working with a different quarterback that they're not going to see because Daniel Jones is the starter. So all of those things are a little bit different. Mike Glennon even said, and this is not an excuse, but Glennon even mentioned you know, he loved the fact that he was able to work with the first team a little bit because he didn't have that luxury in practice. Yeah. So, you know, the quarterback chemistry with the offensive line is just as important as, you know, who you're throwing the ball to down the field. That's something that at least we need to take into consideration. I thought it was mixed results from the starting offensive line. A slow start. I do think that Matt Parrott regrouped after that rough possession in the early stages. Remember, they had a three and out to begin the game. You had two incompletions by Mike Lennon. Then he was sacked, as you referenced. Then after that, you wanted to see better production, of course, but I don't think it was as bad, perhaps, or as rough as we saw on that first series. As far as a guy like Kenny Wiggins, you know, he's going to be a guy, if he makes this team, he's the typical swing offensive lineman who could play multiple positions and you have him in spots six through eight. You know, that's the ideal role for a guy like Kenny Wiggins. And he's no youngster. He's been in the NFL going back to 2010, 2011. He's been a starter. He's been a backup. He's comfortable in a variety of different roles. And they forced him to play a little bit more than maybe he had anticipated because injuries happened. And Here's the thing. By the way, the whole narrative after the game, and I know maybe we're getting a little bit off on a tangent, this whole idea that, you know, veterans, if they're playing into the fourth quarter, it means a bad thing for them. 
the bottom line is a lot of these guys are not everyday starters going back to previous seasons. Who said seasons. that? I, I, I totally, snaps. I totally yeah. missed that narrative. Who was saying that? Well, after the game, there were a lot of questions in the direction, John, of Kenny Wiggins about why he played so much. I believe, what, he had 41 snaps. Yep. And there were some questions directed towards Joe Judge at the postgame presser about, you know, why did you play a guy like Kenny Wiggins? All of these guys are not necessarily conditioned to play this many snaps right away in the first preseason well, they game. they ran and... out of guys. Correct. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. and, and even Kenny spoke to the media. And, you know, he wasn't crying. You know, he wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't believe they gave me X amount of snaps. He's welcoming it because, remember, when you're not guaranteed a roster spot in the NFL, the more snaps you get in the preseason, the more film you could put forth is going to help you if maybe an opportunity comes Gosh. calling with another team. I'm so happy, Lance, that 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 you told me that. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm also happy that I did not hear that because I would have been annoyed. Folks, all right, here are the interior offensive linemen the Giants have, okay? They have their three starters, Hernandez, Gates, and Lemieux. Lemieux didn't play, all right? The next group, Jonathan Harrison, Chad Slade, Kenny Wiggins. I'm going off the unofficial depth chart. Jonathan Harrison didn't play, all right? And Chad Slade played tackle because yep. Nate Solder didn't play, okay? Then your third stringers, according to, again, the unofficial depth chart, Brett Heggie at center, Jake Burton, and Kyle Murphy. Kyle Murphy got hurt, okay? So you, in terms of interior offensive linemen, you were down to Gates, Hernandez, Wiggins, Burton, and Heggie. That's not a lot of guys, and Heggie's the center, so your only non-starting guards, because Slade was playing tackle, were Burton and then Wiggins, who was also a starter because Lemieux was hurt. So you were just out of bodies inside because of the retirements and things of that nature. So that's why Wiggins played all the snaps. They literally didn't have anyone else to play. What else sure. were they supposed to do? Well, and remember, they just added Ted Larson, but Joe Judge even said after the game, the fact that Larson barely had a day with the team before the preseason yeah, you game, can't they didn't feel him? very comfortable throwing no. him out there. Yeah. So, Look, you know, that complicated things a little bit more. And, and, oh, by the way, don't be surprised that they add another offensive lineman or yeah. two. I think Joe Judge made that apparent on the conference call yesterday that they're clearly looking through their pro personnel department to see who's out there. Keep in mind, 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, everyone has to get their rosters down to 85, which means the Giants are going to have to make some roster moves in terms of cutting some guys. But also, if they bring in, John, new offensive linemen, somebody's then going to have to be let go to make room for them. So yep. it's going to be a little bit of a juggling act, I would assume, over the next 24 to 48 hours. And finally, Murphy, you mentioned he got hurt. Hikatini got hurt, Lance. And I don't have it written down. Who was the third guy that had the injury? Uh, well, yeah, T.J. Brunson so, tore his ACL. Thank you, T.J. Brunson, the ACL. Yep. That's what I was trying to remember. And then Thorson apparently had a head injury as well. There's a concussion there. And that, then defensive yeah. back Josh Kalou, yes. torn pectoral muscle. Thank you. That was the other one as well. Yes. So those are the injuries. We have not gotten word on Murphy's injury, right? What, what's, what's going no on with No definitive word no. yet. Judge didn't have anything for us yesterday. Correct. So that, that's the deal right now with the injuries, folks. So let's open up the phones. 201-939. You got one more thing for me, Lance? Yeah, I, I, I just, just wanted to add I just heard you take a breath. I heard you. Yes, no, you heard me. I, I was itching. You <laughs> yes, know me too well you. from being near me in the vicinity. <laughs> I heard yes. you. Well, no, I just wanted to mention one or two other guys on offense because I know we just yeah, focused yeah, on the offensive line. Absolutely. I was very impressed with Corey Clement, John. So I know was he had I. the fumble. Now I'm with and you. Clearly, that's going to be something that they're going to focus on, and red zone issues plagued this team last year. I get all that. 
There's a reason why the Giants and the Jets were the two last teams in red zone efficiency, okay? I think that was a little bit apparent over the course of what we saw in the last preseason game. But Clement, he just, he seemed decisive, John. He hit the hole. He had that shiftiness, that quickness when he got out into the open field. Yes, I understand it was against second teamers, third teamers. But you're not necessarily focused on that. You're looking for, can you find the hole? Can you make a quick decision? And can you be decisive? And I thought we saw a lot of that. I thought he took advantage. He had 11 offensive snaps. But he had six carries for 32 yards, which is a good yardage per carry. And there's still a battle here behind Saquon. And you also need a reliable guy who, in the event that you're not willing to give Saquon a full workload right out of the gates, that he could do some of his work on the ground. And I thought Clement maybe gave the Giants a taste that he could be a reliable guy. Agree 100%. I think David Sills is the second guy, right, that had a really nice game. He Correct. only finished with three for 49 on the stat line, but he had a forced a defensive pass interference penalty in the end zone. That turned into a touchdown opportunity. That's when Clement happened to fumble. Um, in that in that particular situation, I think, Lance, I think that was the same drive, right? Where uh, Clement fumbled off the defensive pass interference penalty. Either yes, way. because that set them up in the yes, red zone. That's what, is what I thought. you're talking about. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. Sills, I thought, showed separation ability, showed the good hands that he showed during camp. And I thought he showed, look, if you're looking for a guy and you really need like a backup wide receiver, or maybe a backup wide receiver with size, with Kenny Galladay dealing with a hamstring injury, I think Sills just continued his strong showing from camp over the course of the game. Yeah, and here's the thing about the wide receiver spot, and I'm curious your perspective before I know we want to open up the phone lines. We were talking about special teams contributions, John, for guys like C.J. Board and Matt Cole, but Sills didn't get a lot of special teams work, and I'm just very curious if they're going to now in another preseason game focus on what he could do yes. there because Joe Judge was asked about that somewhat after the game and the thing with Sills I think he showed that he has some playmaking ability clearly he's been with the organization since 2019 when he was on the practice squad but I would think you'd want to get a better idea of what he could do not maybe just as a return guy but in other situations for him to justify making the roster yes. considering what we saw with some of those other wide receivers. The same way, Lance, I think you're going to now see, you know, Cam Brown get some defensive snaps the next couple of games. We talked about how they kind of said, "All right, you do special teams in this game, you do defense on this game." You know, Rodarius Williams, you do defense, we'll do special teams later. I think same deal with Sills, right? All right, you worry about being a receiver in this game. We're not playing Shepard, Galladay's hurt. Slayton's going to play very minimal snaps. There'll be plenty of opportunities for your wide receiver. We'll give you a run at special teams when the starters are in there taking their usual offensive snaps the next couple of games. So I agree. I think Sills will get his opportunity. I think he's shown his receiving chops. I think those are good enough for him to be on an NFL roster this year and maybe even get snaps in, in, in an NFL game this year as somebody in a rotation of some type. But I think the next two weeks will be essential for him and showing what he can do on special teams. Absolutely agree. And I think C.J. Board continues to solidify a roster yeah. spot, Lance. i got to be honest with you. I, I would be very surprised if he's not on the final roster, given how good he is on specials and his versatility on all the special teams. And I think he's just a reliable wide receiver. So I think that's where we are with the wideouts right now. But I agree. I think you'll see Sills get more special team snaps these next couple of weeks. All right, now let's get to the phones at 201-939-4513. Thank you for that, Lance. I appreciate it. Happy we did those offensive players. Don't forget, limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Ralph in Florida leads us off. Ralph, what's going on? Hey, John. Hi, Lance. Uh, long time no speak. Um, 
I, I think that, you know, finally you get to see Giants football on, on film. I mean, practice is great. And like like you said, but Darius Williams showed the difference of practice and in the game. I think he was nervous. That's why he got beat a couple of times on the outside. And I felt like, you know, he made up some, some plays after. He's breaking up some passes. But the one I, I was really, really impressed with was Will Hernandez. I think Will Hernandez looked – those 20 pounds looked different. He looked faster coming around pulling. He just looked quicker to me. And I think he's going to be a, a big key to Saquon in the running game. If he can pull like that on every Sunday, I think he's going to be a difference maker. And um, Matt Perk didn't beat, but then he came back and pancaked the same guy like two plays later. So – you know, you're gonna get, with a young offensive line. You're gonna get your good and you're gonna get your bad. Hopefully, the good outweighs the bad. I think Andrew Thomas was solid, but for the most part, like these fans are gonna start killing the offensive line because they're gonna look at the sacks of the game, which is ridiculous. But I just thought that all in all, it came out really. I mean, I'm sorry for T.J. Brunson injury-wise. Nobody got hurt. Serious, you know. But uh, what did you guys think? I mean, am I wrong on that? No, look, I think anyone that takes the results of this game, anything overall with, with the stat sheet, given how few starters played, I mean, I can go down the full list of guys who didn't play. It's really, really long. Right. It's double digits right, of yeah, starters. I so I'm, right. I'm, I'm just not taking that that seriously. I think you look at the individual performances of certain players, and that's what you base it off of. I agree. I think Will Hernandez did a nice job. I thought he had a couple nice pulls. He lined up that poor defensive back on one play, and that DB wanted no part of him on that one pull to the right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I agree. And I think Will Hernandez's success, success this year will be very important for the Giants. They need good interior offensive line play. They have Nick Gates, who's only in his second year. They have Lemieux coming off a rookie year as a fifth-round pick. And then they have Will, who's really, quite frankly, if everything goes the way I think it's going to go, he's going to be their most experienced offensive lineman this year. They need a nice yeah. high level of play from him over the course of the year. And if they get that, I think it'll help the run game and it'll help the pass protection an awful lot. So, yeah, Ralph, I think you hit it on the head. I don't think you should take too much out of you know some of these overall trends that you're seeing out of a game where – Frankly, the guys taking 75% of the snaps are not going to be playing regularly for the Giants in the regular season anyhow. And some of the guys may not even be in the NFL this season, too. I I think that's important to note. As far as Hernandez, remember, it's also a contract year for Will Hernandez. So, you know, he's got all the motivation in the world and also wound up dealing with COVID last year and Shane Lemieux ultimately slid in in his starting job. And a new position for him, too. You know, first game out, new position. Good job, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a transition David Sills. With the question with David Sills, I mean, I like I like the catch he made. The the only one like the Thorson pass where he let the ball play him instead of him go get go getting the ball. That's the concern like with him. But other than that, I think he runs great routes. I think he's sneaky fast for his size. Like he, he just he looks quicker than he than he runs. I don't know for what reason, but he gets by people. And for for a receiver his size to get by people like that, he I mean, if he can make his hands catches, he's definitely going to be an asset. I just see him as like another red zone target. If you could add him in the red zone target every now and then with Rudolph and Galladay, now you're talking about size up there with Daniel Jones. He doesn't have to worry about being so accurate with the ball. Just throw the ball up in the air and let the players go make a play. Appreciate the well, call, Ralph. Yeah, he's a smart player, and thanks for the phone call. He was a former quarterback, so I don't think it's surprising that he's a good route runner. I think quarterbacks really have a good grasp of the entire game, and you know they're the ones directing traffic. They're telling the wide receivers what to do. So I think that allowed for him to make a smooth transition. But you know, once again, keep in mind, he's going up against defensive backs on the Jets 
that are not necessarily going to be prime starters in the NFL. So getting separation against them is great, and you want to see that. But then if you're going to be thrown into a regular season game, assuming he makes the roster, you're going to then be put up against some of the top three corners for the opposition. So it's a little bit different. That's why I think you should be encouraged by him going out there and executing. But don't just assume that it carries over when you're going up against maybe Pro Bowl all-star caliber cornerbacks who you know are going to get the bulk of the reps in the regular season. I'm trying to remember the play where he said that he let a throw from Thorson play him a little bit. I'm going through his targets on tape right now. I don't remember that play, Lance. I know Board dropped that one little slant. Am I forgetting a play? Well, if we're talking about Sills, I remember the play that he caught up the left sideline, which I think was the 37-yard gain. That was the one that jumped out to me. And then the one that they weren't able to connect, if you remember, he targeted him in the end zone, and Sills had a piece of it with one hand. But if you go back and you look at the replay, his other hand was being held by the defensive back. So that's what ultimately, if you recall, set up the play in the red zone where, unfortunately, Corey Clement fumbled the football. But I don't remember what the caller was referring to in terms of you know, maybe letting get away one get away from him in terms of the communication with Clayton Thorson. Yeah, I'm watching one. I'm on his fifth. He got targeted six times. I'm on his fifth target already here. And it's like a little bit of a slant. And it looks like that maybe the ball gets, you know, it's a little bit high. But I think the defenders there are knocking away here. I'm just taking a look at the play here. I know this is excellent radio where I'm looking at the play and nobody else is. <laughs> I get all that. I mean, it's a little high. I mean, I, I'm not going to lose my mind with that play. I thought Sills as a receiver played a nice game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really take any negatives out of that, to be quite honest with you. But uh, I'll look at his sixth target here as we get to our next call. But, yeah, I mean, I thought Sills as a receiver did great. And, yeah, 100%, man, like, you could only beat the guys that you're playing against. It doesn't mean that he's going to be able to beat first-team corners and the top corners in the league. But he could only beat the guys that he goes up against on any given day, right? So this is one more opportunity where you check the box and you say, all right, nice job, good work, let's see what happens next time you go out there. 201-939-4513. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Joe. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, football is back. Um, let's see. Our offensive line, I think uh, the starters, I'll give them time, but definitely concerned with the backups there. Uh, the, the quarterback, I'm concerned there. Is it an upgrade from last year? I, I don't know yet. I really don't. And the same thing with our running back with Booker that they gave a, a nice contract. Uh, he sort of looked slow to me. Uh, so, I mean, uh, Corey looked okay, fine, okay. But uh, I said I was concerned about the backup quarterback, concerned about the, the Booker there, you know, what we gave a contract to, you know. That, you know, uh, is it an upgrade or not? I I didn't see anything there with them two guys. So uh, I mean, Devontae Booker played what, like five played 11 snaps? snaps? I mean, yeah. okay, okay, it's early. I'm saying we'll just have to see, you know. But he didn't show me nothing in five snaps. So that what were you looking for, all. Joe? <laughs> Any, anything, uh, anything. Maybe it's maybe it's slow out of the backfield. I have no idea at first. Something there, and same thing with the backup quarterbacks. You know what I mean? They didn't show me anything really and truly. I uh, did. You think they're upgrades so far from what we lost? From Colt McCoy and uh, who's the other young guy we lost there? I mean, uh, look, I, honestly, I know a lot of people could lose their mind over the backup quarterback. I mean, this might sound. Well, but, uh, I know, but look, yeah. Joe, I, I, this might sound flippant to you, and if it does, I apologize. It's not meant as disrespect to you or the players involved. But here's the bottom line, all right? Colt McCoy, Mike Lennon, 
I mean, what's the big difference? Okay. I mean, uh, honestly, well, seriously, well, like, if, if you have to rely on either one of those guys to play like a dozen games for you, the season's not going the way you want yeah. to. So, you know, and look, we've seen Mike Lennon win games in the league. We've seen Colt McCoy win games in the league. Uh, I don't okay. frankly think there's much of a difference, to be quite honest yeah, with you. Yeah, well, well that's, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. I'm, I'm not sure the way Judge is handling this here, too, with uh, not giving Daniel Jones a little, maybe a quarter here at his first game. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Did Ross, did he get in there? Was he just setting him out, or does he have an injury? Uh, he has an, I believe, in, I don't believe they've disclosed what the injury is. So I believe an undisclosed injury, Lance, yeah. that sounds yeah, right. Yeah, I believe he's still nursing something, so yeah. that's why he didn't play. Yeah. Uh, and as far uh, okay. as Daniel Jones, listen, I think their goal is to get him in the next few preseason games. He'll so probably it's not as if get, they're going to bench him he'll probably, the whole preseason. He'll probably show. get, what, three quarters, you figure, Lance, over the next two games, give sure. or take? Sure, yeah. And if they're okay, going to move I, I, up towards getting the starters in for that third preseason game because it's two weeks removed from the regular season, yeah, I would anticipate that Daniel Jones and the starters will get at least a few series in that final game against the New England maybe, Patriots. Maybe a half. They could play yeah, a whole half. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my only thing about it, you know, if any of you like the starters get a bump or bruises, it'd be earlier. But maybe it's uh, – no, I'm not sure on that. Well, but, Joe, the problem is – well, fun. Joe, honestly, he, he, here's the problem with that, and I completely understand what you're saying. But you do not want to have three weeks between the last game action your starters have and the first game of the regular season. It's a problem with your cardiovascular wind and, you know, basically being in shape for that last game. And you just, you know, we always talk about this, uh, we always talk about this with the playoffs, Lance, right? How if you've clinched something and you have a bye week, do you really want to give that guy the guys week seventeen off when they have the bye the next week? Because then there's three weeks between games, yeah. and we've seen it a lot where the rust factor does creep in, where it takes sometimes a half for these guys to get into it. So, Joe, because you have those two weeks now between the final preseason game, which is the third preseason game, and the start of the regular season, I frankly would not be. And I've been and Lance and I have had this conversation. We are on opposite sides of this. I've always been of the opinion that I do not want to have three weeks between my guys playing in a real game and a regular se- and, and, and the preseason, it's too long for me. I need to have yeah. them on the field two weeks before that first regular season yeah. game. Yeah, it sounds good. And another thing I'm, I'm saying, I think they'll probably get Did we lose him? I, th- I, I think Sounds we like we lost him. Yeah, that's yeah. right. No worries. Well, I don't know. Maybe I misheard you, John. I'm not on the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, I'm in agreement with you that some of the starters should play oh, in that. No, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think what I meant to say is that I think when we were having the debates of how Judge would handle it earlier in the year, I think I was more on the they'll play the guys more in the third game, and you thought they'd maybe play them a little bit less in the third game. Unless I'm remembering wrong, I could be. Well, I mean, I think it's just going to vary from team to team. I think it depends on also if you have a scheme that's carrying over and you feel comfortable that your guy's got enough work in. Maybe you don't think it's necessary. Sure. But if you have a new scheme, I'm playing my starters. I want them to get as much work as possible. And I'm with you, and I think this is what you were also alluding to. If I have two weeks between my final preseason game and the start of the regular season, even if, God forbid, one of my starters gets some bumps and bruises, I think there's enough time and leeway that they'll be able to regroup and recover in time for week one. So I'm not as worried compared to, remember, when you had the fourth preseason game, you had it the Thursday prior to the weekend before the first 
week of the regular season. So it wasn't two full weeks. It was really slightly was, over it was a ten, week. It was 10 days. Exactly. Ten days. So, you know, that to me is a little bit different compared to they're going to be playing on exactly two weeks prior to the first game because the Giants are playing on that first Sunday and the final preseason game is on that Sunday. So two full weeks, if God forbid somebody gets a little bit banged up, I think you should be in good shape to have them ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, look, I think you have to. Look, would I love to put these guys in bubble wrap for the whole preseason and, and not risk an injury? Sure, that'd be great. But I do think there's a adverse impact on your performance in that first game. Because look, guys have said this, Lance, to me a lot. Being in shape for practice is different than being in shape for a game. And I yeah. think you do need to have these guys out there, you know, for a half just to have them, you know, close to ready to go just from taking hits, from being able to have your wind. I do think that's important. And trust me, no one would love – no. One, I, I would love to go into the regular season and guarantee you that I'm not going to have any injuries. But you know what? I think there's a better chance your guy maybe gets hurt in the first regular season game if they don't have that acclimation pro, you know, process in the preseason. So there's no perfect answer. I think you just do the best you can so the guys are ready to play. Yeah, because the conditioning is not going to be in the spot where yeah. you want it. So somebody could pull a hamstring or dehydration issues, whatever it may be, and then even more convoluted problems come about. So you don't want to put yourself in that position. The other thing I would add is, you know, these guys are not necessarily tackling to the ground consistently in practice. No, so, uh, not at right? all. Not I mean, at yeah. all. So, yes. so that's more of a reason why I'd want them out there for that third preseason game. So you're comfortable when you get out there in week one and it's not all of a sudden, oh my God, I haven't tackled somebody in over a year. I don't think you want to put any of your players in that position. And as far as injuries, I say this every year, John, nobody ever wishes a guy like TJ Brunson to tear an ACL, but does it make you feel any better if the injury happened in week one compared to the first preseason game? I mean, injuries are going to happen, and it sucks, especially these guys who are late draft picks and you know really trying to solidify a 53-man roster spot. I feel for all of them, and it's not fun, but injuries you can't control. They're going to happen. You can't, once again, you use the bubble wrap line. You can't coach scared, no. I like to call it. Can't. You can't be timid about putting your players out there if you're trying to get them working so that you have them best prepared for the regular season. So I can't fault any coach or any player for wanting to go out there in the preseason to get some extra snaps. You hope they avoid injuries, but once again, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, it's the same thing with the off-season workout program, right, where the guy's like, well, we don't want to come do the OTAs. We can get hurt. Well, what, you can't get hurt working out on your own at home? I mean, like, in fact, there was the player, I believe, right? Who was the guy that got who? The Broncos he, offensive lineman. Thank you. You're talking yes. about. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. it's It happens. Look, it, injuries happen, and it's just the way it is. 201-939. Juwan James, by the way. Thank the guy you. Was I yeah. couldn't think of the name. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to our busy phones. But first, just a reminder not to miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 is a giant suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available. Or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Atticus is in the Poconos. Atticus, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you today? Very good, Mr. Finch. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Finch, that's funny. I'm sure you haven't heard that yeah, joke before. Yes, so. I'm sure that to kill a <laughs> mockingbird, lines times. flow off the tongue. I, yes. oh, I'm sure. Sorry. I, I couldn't resist. I've heard far worse. I've heard far worse. <laughs> but, yeah, it's good that football is back. And I'll tell you, I was at the game this weekend, and it was really nice to be in the stadium with the fans. 
and I have to like really temper my expectations and I have a lot of hopes too, but I, I like what coach judge was talking about with how he's been really focusing on the conditioning of the players, because I think that's going to be critical now that we have a 17 game season and watching the game, I just had some concerns. You know, I had a lot of good things, some positives that came out of it. I thought the offensive line started to, after it had a couple of you know, cohesion issues, they started to really pull together nicely. I thought that Corey Clement played very well in spite of his fumble. But my concerns was really on our depth. At the quarterback position, that was really, really hard to watch. Um, I can remember, I forget who it was. I think it was... Um, uh, for, I forget his name, number 17. Clayton Thorson. He threw a pass. In it. Yeah, correct. He threw a pass and it landed right in the dirt three yards in front of the receiver. And I was like, what in the heck was that? Which gave me a lot of reasons to be concerned. I want to see DJ out there to get some reps like you guys are just talking about. But well, Atticus, just, just, Atticus, just very quickly, there's a very good chance Clayton yep. Thorson's not even on this roster this year. So I wouldn't let Clayton Thorson's performance worry you too much, okay? And- and here's the other thing, Atticus. In order to get to Clayton Thorson, you'd have to lose two yep. quarterbacks ahead of him. So if you get to that position, as John mentioned earlier, the dynamics of your mm-hmm. offense are going to dramatically change no matter who's under center and if the, you're at your third-string quarterback. And there, is not one, and there is not one team in the National Football League, Atticus, very quickly, that feels great about their third-string yeah. quarterback coming in there and winning a lot of games for you. And again, this, this is and not, a, this is not an insult to Clayton Thorson. He, he's, he's, a, he's a good dude, good player, but that's just the nature of the league. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And Matt Glennon didn't do much better, by the way. And the point that I was getting at was, as much as we want to see DJ get out there and get some reps and get in the football condition to be prepared to play the Broncos for our game, our, our opening game, there, show, there was a glaring, obvious need that our backups, our depth, they need more reps too. They need to be able to get in there and perform sure, at sure. least at, at a basic level to keep drives alive and probably even if we can't get in the end zone for a touchdown, at least get a field goal. The defense, however, I thought played pretty well. I thought that they showed us a lot of good signs. Carter Coughlin, uh, I think he solidified his place on the roster. But I do think that conditioning is going to be key. I think that our backups, as hard as it was to watch in certain parts of the game, they showed us that they need to be out there playing just as much as our starters getting some reps to get in football condition. And that's it, guys. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Atticus. Appreciate the call. And you make good points. Look, these guys have to play too. And they're going to have more chances in the second and third preseason games as well. Look, the, the backups are still on average Lance, going to play more snaps than the starters in the next two games. That's just the way the, the, the league goes, and, and you'll start figuring this stuff out. But these guys do need snaps. And I thought Mike Glennon was fine. I didn't. To have a huge issue. He wasn't like missing wide open guys. He made a, he would he would have had a touchdown pass to David Sills if the defensive back wasn't ripping Sills' left arm down. I thought Glennon was okay. I didn't have a huge problem with his performance to be honest with you. Yeah, I think the product of that first series was some protection issues, and that's why it wasn't pretty after that. You know, I think, like anything else, he got more and more comfortable as he was working with personnel that he didn't get a lot of snaps with in practice. So, you know, is it possible that they'll look at the waiver wire, they'll look at guys that are released? It's possible, but I'd be very surprised if they make a change for the backup quarterback position. And here's why, John. You know, this is important for our listeners to understand. Even for a veteran quarterback, if you were to claim them and bring them in about a week before the regular season and they have no familiarity with the system, 
it takes those guys, even if they've been in the NFL for quite some time, could take them three to four weeks till they really have a good grasp of the offense. I'll give you an example. Matt Castle, one of the years where Tony Romo got hurt, I don't remember which year it was, but the Cowboys acquired Matt Castle from the Buffalo Bills, and mm-hmm. it may have been around where they had an early bye week, week two, week three, and he even admitted this on the record. You know, He wasn't comfortable with that offense until midway through the season, weeks after he was acquired, and they had utilized Brandon Whedon for a little bit before they brought in Matt Castle. So my point is, if you're looking for them to make that unbelievable claim, number one, I don't think you're going to find a very polished quarterback, okay, because they're not going to let go of those guys if they're on another team. That's number one. Number two, you have to count for, is that quarterback going to come in and be able to understand the offense and in a pinch if Daniel Jones went down God forbid could they come in early in the season and be able to perform at at least a decent level and if the answer is no you stick with who you got I think if any changes are made you add a guy John to the practice squad you get him used to what's going on and then maybe by the time midseason rolls around he's a lot more comfortable and maybe you move him up the depth chart but I wouldn't foresee them making a drastic change in terms of at least the second quarterback right now on this roster yeah and the reason I said what I said about Thor by the way, is because we've seen teams in the Giants only keep two quarterbacks before, and you have the third yep. quarterback on the practice squad. So uh, I think that's where Thorson, you know, is would be. I'm not saying he'd be get you know released outright or anything like that, but I think there's a good chance the third quarterbacks, whoever it is, whether it's Thorson or somebody else, is the practice squad quarterback, and you're going to have two guys on the active roster, and that's how they'll probably work that. And maybe they, you know, they elevate the third quarterback as your, you know, 55th guy on a game day, something like that. So just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. 201-939-4513. Back to the phones. Let's say hello to Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great. What's up? Good. Um, well, first thing I wanted to say was a little, a little bit of a complaint, but uh, people actually paid money to see that game the other night. Uh, um, yeah, you know, the NFL doesn't want to deal with this, and individual franchises don't want to deal with it, but everybody recognizes COVID as the number one problem, and probably concussions and injuries is the number two problem. Uh, boy, requiring people, season ticket holders, your best customers, to pay to see preseason games is just, it's not right. they got to deal with it. They got to deal. With well, then, um, I, I totally get where you're coming from, but I will say a couple things. The, as you know, the, yeah. the the cost in the preseason games was reduced below that of regular season games a few yes. years ago. Yes. And now you only have three yes. rather than four. So I think for you, it's pointing yeah. in the right direction, right? The yes. other thing, Len, that I'll add, and I'm not saying that you're concerned about what's going on in other sports leagues, but you know, as somebody that has season tickets to an NBA team, the NBA does the same exact thing. And yeah. they have more preseason games. They force season <laughs> ticket holders to take and pay for the preseason games. And those, so, are, and those are full yeah. price, by the way. Correct, exactly. So the NFL's not really doing anything different compared to what other sports leagues operate, just to provide some yeah. context well, there. Well, it's it's... It, it, I, maybe I misspoke, and I'd have to go back and check to see what I said here. Um, but I, I probably made a mistake in saying NFL. It's really the individual franchise, because not all of them require people to pay for the preseason games. So, um, well, Len, I, I, Len, I, Len are there are there any are there any franchises that are giving away preseason tickets for free to their season ticket holders? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No. Uh, I got you. What, I, what do you mean free? Like, are they no, no, like, they well, meaning anyway, not forcing the season ticket anyway. holders to pay for them. There you go. There you go. 
Well, but Len, they, I mean, I'm a little confused, and I think John wants clarification yeah, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to read his mind, sure. but I think we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. So what you were insinuating, yeah. Len, is you were saying that my interpretation was there are other NFL franchises that beat to their own drum and do not force their season ticket holders to pay for that. Correct. Oh, I, well, well, I didn't realize I'm not that, aware of other teams you, operating right. like yeah. that. And, the, yeah. and it's only, that's only recent with the Giants. I recent, uh, you know, it's uh, 15 years <laughs> when I say recent. As you know, I go back a long way. But there was a time when you didn't have to pay oh. for preseason. I didn't realize that. And, okay, and fair enough. Only, and there'd only be, yeah, yeah, and there'd only be 29,000 or 35,000 people in the Saints. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Now, fair enough. Um, the, the, other thing is, the other thing is, and very important, and, and John will be disappointed if, if you don't remember this, uh, when the season ticket applications come out, I call up every year and thank ownership and give credit to ownership for using value pricing on the preseason. So I am aware because I, I compliment them every year, John. Sure. I don't know if you remember that, but I, I do. Okay. And I also compliment them. I also compliment them on their keeping their ticket prices right where there should be for six and 10 teams. Okay. And not raising prices every year. They do an excellent job with that. But somewhere along the line, they're going to have to, I think, you know, it's a personal thing. I know there's somebody out there now listening and say, well, you don't have to go. Well, i got to pay for it. And as a matter of fact, I didn't go. <laughs> I watched the game on Game Pass. I gave the tickets away. Let me transition to Game Pass. I was lucky enough to get Papa and Banks. So, you know, they were leaning toward the Giants. Um, I guess it was the Giants broadcast. So yeah. uh, they, they, were, they were commenting on Giants players more than they were commenting on Jets players. And that was nice. That was nice. Good. Um, to, refl- to reflect back on um, Joe's call, uh, the one thing that Carl said about um, Booker, um, he thought the vision was a little off. There were a couple of plays where he felt he could have made more out of what turned out to be nothing. And uh, you know, then went on to say what we all know, if that had been Barkley, he might have taken it to the house. <laughs> but that was, that was Carl's comment on a couple of carries by Booker. He questioned the vision. I don't know what that means long-term, John and Lance, but that's that's where he was coming from on that. So I would, um, you know, I think um, Joe was kind of leaning in the right direction on Booker. I know there were a few plays, but I'm just telling you what the so-called expert might have said during during the broadcast. Um, well, that's why, just hey, real quickly, I'm, Len, I'm, that's I'm, why I would argue why you want to play these guys because, you know, Booker's working with some new offensive linemen. The blocking, yeah, I'm sure, is yeah. different than what he experienced when he was with the Raiders. So yeah. you want to get him yeah. on the field more so than Barkley because Barkley has a little bit more experience with some of these yeah. offensive linemen. Yeah. Not a lot, oh, yeah. but that's why it's valuable to get a guy like Booker out there before the regular season starts so that if he has to work on some of those things, at least you have some film to point that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent point. I don't I don't think Booker lost his job. I don't think he even lost his position sure. yeah. <laughs> on the death chart. But I, I just I just wanted to comment on what Carl had said because it reflected what Joe was leaning toward in terms of how we look. Um, you, you know, the backup offensive line, John, you mentioned eight guys who make up the backups, uh, from including Williams, from those who we think are going to be the starters. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to find one NFL game played last year by any of those eight guys. 
Uh, now, that's I, know, I, I know some of them. I, I know some of them are undrafted free agents, mm-hmm. and one of them was actually on the roster for 16 games. But I don't think any of those guys played one down in the NFL last year. No, I think you're right. Yeah. All right. So depth is a problem. No, um, I, I have to look at Wiggins. I'm not positive about him, but I, you might be right. Look, I, I, I said this. I did it on, on uh, FAN last night with uh, Lori Rubinson, and I said basically right now I think the Giants are looking for their Nate Solder of the interior offensive line, right, where you have that, that yeah. third guy, that veteran that you can depend on. Look, and they tried to get the guy with Zach Fulton. They tried to get the guy with Joe Looney. It didn't work out. So yeah. now I think they're yeah. looking for that guy now for their interior offensive line. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, 61 plays gets you, I think you mentioned, uh, I forget, oh, it was Wiggins. Wiggins, 61 yeah. plays was 75% of, was 75% of the defensive snaps. You, you can talk about individual plays, Sean. From the standpoint of the defense the other night, I know who played, who didn't play, who the Jets were playing, who the Jets weren't playing. That's not good. We were on the field a long time the other night. Let me let me translate that. Well, he played forty-one plays, just for clarification. He played sixty-one. Okay, all right. Well, there was some guy who was who was um, well. Forty-one plays wasn't seventy-five percent of the defensive snaps. You no, okay, so you're talking about defense? Okay, because yeah. when you mentioned Wiggins, I'm yeah. thinking offense, yeah, the offensive on, line. On defense, yeah. no. Len, Trent Harris, on, on played, no. Trent Harris played 77%, Maje Harper played 87%, Rodarius Williams played 79%, yeah. and then Devontae right. Downs was but, at 69%. But, but uh, on the percentages, how many, how many snaps were that? My point is... There were a lot of defensive snaps. No, you're correct. Yeah, over 80. There were, there were yeah. over 80, correct. Yeah, well, remember, the Jets I mean, drive with Zach right. Wilson. They were running the ball like crazy on one of those yeah, opening well, drives. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you've given up 80 snaps, let me just guess. If the other team has had 80 snaps, your, your defense has not had a good day. No, I think that's fair. Okay. All right. So, I mean, but I Len, know who they weren't playing and who were not playing. Right. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, I was just I'm saying. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I mean, but they weren't they weren't really playing anybody. Is my point. So, well, well, but but John, it's still not a good performance. So let me let me translate that into a point. I'll try to make. Okay. Um, write down. You're not going to do this. I'm just <laughs> expressing something for you to do. If we were all to write down our 30 most valuable players on the roster right now, right now, um, pray they don't get hurt. Depth is a serious problem. Serious problem. And one other point, um, and Joe tried to make on the McCoy versus Glennon thing, um, I think you're right about this, that it really doesn't make any difference. But that second quarterback is going to be in my top 30. That's an important position today. Gone are the days of Eli Manning. Gone are the days of Eli we're going to have a starting quarter. We're going to, your quarterback is likely to second quarterback is likely to play two or three games. That that that's hey, fine, look, but it, that doesn't mean he's going to be one of your thirty best players. Well, who's the, who's the most important person on the field, John? Yeah, be a mobile land backup. There just aren't enough backup. There aren't enough good backup quarterbacks out there. Well, I. Well, somebody's got to play the position. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't necessarily I don't think it's going to be a top 30 player, I mean, I though. I mean, that's... I mean, I don't know. Just look at the salaries, okay. Len. I... Just look at the salaries. 
that, well, that doesn't add up. I agree me, with you. Backup me, quarterback me, is an important right. luxury to have, but to have an expectation that he's going to be a top 30 player on your roster, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I think there's a lot of teams well, I, I, that, you know, they're relying on a rookie quarterback or somebody that's undrafted yeah, no because one, they just can't afford them in the and, salary cap. And trust me, no one likes backup and, quarterbacks and more happens? than Lance Meadows. Sure, I, because I value them. <laughs> I don't yeah, I value the backup quarterback too. Yeah. Well, guys, and what happens to those teams who play those players? I mean, you, you got to have a good backup. Oh, no, 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 Len, Len, one of the most consistent things in the NFL, if you lose your starting quarterback for a lot of the games, I, honestly, yeah. usually you're not having a real good yeah. year. That's just kind of the way it goes, man. <laughs> well, I don't care what I, team I mean, it is. You know, I, I mean, I know, <laughs> I, know every, I know everybody knows this, but Colt McCoy went to Seattle and we won a ball game in Seattle. They, okay, scored, you gotta a, they scored like eight <laughs> points. <laughs> It's not like well, they lit up the scoreboard. Listen, I don't mean to cut well, this conversation short. I got to yeah, run because yeah, I have another go, show. Thank you. It was great talking to you, John, as well as Lance. Yes. Guys, I will speak to you later. Have a yes, good one. If you yep. want, if you want more of Lance Meadow, and Lord knows why you would, he's not serious XFNFL. Hopefully Lance heard me saying that before you. Oh, me. I heard that. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> All right, Lance, go have fun on serious. You can go here, Lance. You can bring his pot down for me, Pearson. Uh, you can bring Lance down. You can go find Lance on Sirius XFNFL Radio. He runs off to do that show. And, oh, boy. Lance is going to be so happy when he finds out he missed out on Charlie in Portland, Maine. <laughs> Charlie, sorry, buddy. You, you missed out on your Lance Meadow experience. <laughs> I know. Hey, what? I'm really sad about that. <laughs> oh, I, well, hey, what? Yeah, Charlie, I think the only person sadder about that situation is Lance. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to say, you're talking about backup quarterbacks, and Len was talking about it. You've got to have a good backup quarterback. I mean, Kansas City has one, Henny. He came in when Mahomes was down and won Is some Chad games. Henny and that much better it, than Mike Glennon? I mean, seriously. Yeah, I think he is. And, and the other thing is... Why? Why do you there? think that? Because he won games. Mike, so, so Mike Glennon won games for a much worse team last year in Jacksonville. Yeah, well, how many did he win? I think one. one. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, <right>. I think one. <laughs> but, look, the Chicago Bears, who do they have as their three of them? They have Foles, who won a Super Bowl. They have Dalton, who is a career vet, who's won a lot of games and playoff games. And then they have their star, Field. They have three guys. We have nobody. Teams do value quarterbacks, and they value backup quarterbacks. And the thing is, we don't have any because they didn't want to bring anybody in who is good enough to challenge Jones. And that, to me, is a tragedy. We needed to bring in a guy who could at least challenge him and be a really good backup, especially when Jones is always hurt. He's been in the league two years, and he's missed four games, and he should have missed five. That Arizona game, he should never even play. Who did you want to pay that was available to bring in as a high-quality backup? I don't know looking back on it now, but there were guys out there. Were there? I mean, look, were there? Look, if, were there? If Foles, like right now, if Foles is the third-string quarterback on that team, I would go get him. I would trade for him. He would be a great backup. All right. And possibly, if Jones goes down, he is a great quarterback. At a, at a, well, a good quarterback. Well, okay. I'm, I'm happy you backed off the great adjective. But, look, is Nick Foles probably a small upgrade over Mike Lennon? Sure. But for me, Mike, Levin, Mike Lennon is your, like, prototypical central casting. Here's a solid backup NFL quarterback. I can't lose my mind about that. I, I just can't get wrapped up yeah. in the guy in spending all my time stressing out about a guy that if everything goes right, you don't want to see him play anyway. 
You know what I mean? I know, I know. Mike Lennon, he's fine. He's, a, he's an okay, he's a good yeah. NFL, he's a good backup. I mean... But the thing is, he, he isn't mobile. And with this offensive line, we need somebody mobile. He's a statue back there. He's going <laughs> to... With this O-line we have, he's going to get destroyed. So, but, so do you want to bring in, like, Robert calls. Griffin third? I mean, <laughs> what are you looking for here? Yeah, why not? Hey, look, I I, I just wanted to bring up my son, sure. Ryzen John. Oh, he, he had three catches. I, and I don't think – I think that's all he, they threw three targets at him. I don't think he dropped one or he didn't, you know. And he looked pretty good. He was smooth. He uh, caught the passes. He ran well. I think hopefully they'll play him again uh, the, the Cleveland game. Well, well Charlie, I'm and sure they I'm will gonna, because they have, they have injuries at the tight end spot, so I think there's short numbers there. So yeah. I bet you he'll get some playing time. I hope, I hope they go deep seam. Because this guy will score a touchdown. Hey, look, Charlie. No one let him go long. No one doubts his athletic ability. No one doubts his potential with that. The question is, can he do the other things? Right? Like hey, that, did, that you did need you out see of a tight blocking? end. I didn't see the game. Was he? Did he do all right blocking? I will. I, I, I have not it, pulled so. up his snaps blocking, so I have not had a chance okay, to take a okay. look at that yet. All right. Okay. That's all I got. I'll let you go, John. All right, Charlie. Yeah. Thank you for the call, buddy. Always appreciate it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff 5. I'm John Schmelk. We will talk to you next time. And, of course, reminder, you can find uh, analysis of that Giants-Jets game on the Giants Huddle podcast. I did a quick, rapid reaction with Sean O'Hara actually up there in the radio booth right after the game. That got up there, so go check it out. And we'll be with you with Big Blue Kickoff Live all week at 11 a.m. I'll be off to Cleveland for joint practices on Wednesday. The first practice is Thursday, another one on Friday. And we'll have updates for you from there throughout the week. I am John Schmelk. For our buddy Pearson running the board, for Lance Meow, I am John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.